I noticed uh, when uh, Brother Tim came in this morning that he was slimmer than me. And I, I, I took offense to that. I've I got to get back on my trimming down diet. I've given up trying to catch up with Keith Cox. He's just wasting away over there. He quit eating altogether, I think. But uh, thank you so much, Brother Tim, for coming and leading us in worship today. That is the second time this week that I have been able to be a participant in worship. Wow. I just, I hope Brother Rick's this fired up every Sunday he gets up. I believe he is because that celebration man that stands back there every week, you are amazing and I can't thank you enough uh, for how wonderful you are. I am, uh, I, I am so blessed, I'm so excited, I am so honored, uh, above all I am so humbled uh, to be able to share God's word today. Uh, and we're going to talk about prophecy, we're going to look to Jeremiah, we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah this morning, uh, but if you'll allow me, I want to... Um, I want to take the pronouns from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, and I want to singularize them because this is my heart every opportunity that I have to preach the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, singularizing the pronouns. For what I proclaim is not myself, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with myself as your servant. For Jesus Christ's sake. That is my prayer today as his message has been and will continue to be proclaimed. If you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 8. Now you know me, I've got to give you a title. I don't know why it is. It's a, I don't know what it is about me, but I just always feel like there needs to be a title. And a lot of times I feel like hopefully that's what you'll hang on to. And then... Two weeks later, when that pops out, then you'll have a conversation starter, and, and you'll think back to some of the other things that God was able to share. So, so my title today is, Jesus is the bomb. Not the bomb, but he is the bomb. Jesus is the bomb. Jesus is the bomb. If you don't have your Bible, I will have the text on the screen. You can follow along, but I, I, I'm, I'm old-fashioned, I guess, in some ways. And uh, if you are able, I would love for you to stand with me as we read from God's Word. In Jeremiah chapter 8, I'm going to begin with verse 18. Again, Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 18. I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images with foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning, astonishment. Has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Would you pray with me? Father, today, move me aside. Lord, don't let anything that Brother Tommy says come through today, but Lord, only your voice be heard. God, that through Jeremiah, through these words that he gave so many years ago to Judah. 
Lord, that today they would speak to our hearts, God, and that I would be that broken vessel, Lord, spilling out your message today, Lord, so that we might be poured into, and that God, as we leave, will be changed. Lord, I'm unworthy. Lord, use me in spite of me. And God, may your message speak to the hearts, minds of your people here at Dalreda, those online. And Father, may we spread the good news for Christ's sake. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to give you a little background on Jeremiah and a shout out to our student pastor, Brother Joseph. Uh, we want to do context, context, context. Amen? Right, right, right. So Jeremiah, born in the city of Ananoth in a region north of Jerusalem. One of the things I love about him, and we've become really good buddies over the last few weeks. Uh, he and I, we, we've bonded. Uh, as I told him Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure what all he's learned about me, but I'm learning a whole lot about him. Um, he, was a, he had the unique distinction of being not only a prophet, but a priest. Ezekiel happens to be another who was both priest and prophet. Um, but Ezekiel, interestingly enough, his message was more to the whole of Israel whereas Judah was speaking to the southern kingdom, Judah. Uh, his message, his prophecies were strictly uh, for them. He was called into ministry during Josiah's rule as king, and that was about halfway through his rule. Uh, and Josiah, if you'll remember, was the last good king. Uh, following him in the southern kingdom was um, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, pardon me, and Zedekiah, who were all godless and corrupt. Uh, bankrupt of all morality, uh, and leading into, uh, finally, the captivity. Jeremiah, 40 years in ministry, preaching the gospel of repentance. Preaching to a bunch of stubborn people who seemingly were destined for destruction. And how could he not question himself at times? But God, in Jeremiah 1, chapter 10, had called Jeremiah for such a time. He said, see, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah was in the right place at the right time, even though he might not have realized it. He knew that what was coming, he saw it. The Lord had given it to him, but he did everything he could to take Judah, to take that southern kingdom away from the disaster that was to come. Now, as we set the scene that uh, leads into the verses that we read, at this time in history, Judah, obviously, uh, once again, a repetitive theme uh, for the Israelites. They had turned away from the Lord and begun to worship false idols. They had broken that covenant that, that uh, God had made with the Israelites again years before. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 11, interestingly enough, talks about that covenant. And you think, well, chapter 11, chapter 8. But chronologically speaking, chapter 11 was actually written before chapter 8. Uh, anyway, just a little tidbit there. The Lord in his great mercy had sent Jeremiah to the temple with a message for the people. And he gave them every opportunity to, to repent. If they would turn from the idols and turn back to God, they would be able to stay in their own land. One of the big things that Jeremiah warned them about were false teachers. Uh, very prevalent uh, during those times. And they, 
they, they kind of got caught up with themselves and they thought, well, you know, just because the temple had been chosen uh, by Jehovah as his dwelling place, that it, it would never be destroyed. In chapter 7, just prior to what we read, the Lord gives the conditions of his mercy. In chapter 7, verse 6, he says that if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place and in the land that I gave you to your fathers forever and forever. But again, as history tends to repeat itself, they turned away. They were stealing, murdering, committing adultery, telling lies, burning incense to Baal and, and, and other gods. And they were listening to the false teachers. Time and time again, Jeremiah was pleading, warning them to repent. Because he certainly desired that they would turn away from those idols. And he longed for the day when Yahweh was longing for the day when his people would turn to him again. But there was a limit on the mercy. He pleaded with them. But Jeremiah paints us the picture of the prophecy of God's wrath. We're going to take apart our text. And I want you to be sure to note that uh, Jeremiah is prophesying in this text of what he has seen to come. And as we read, I hope that you are able to catch on to the fact that we heard three distinct voices in those five verses. We hear three voices there. And as we begin, uh, we hear Jeremiah's voice of hurt. In verse 18, in the first part of verse 19, again, we hear, I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry the daughter of my people from a far country. Now, Jeremiah is mourning during this time, obviously, and his grief is beyond healing. He is literally physically sick during this time at what he knows is going to happen. And he's dramatizing the picture. In, the, in these next four verses, he dramatizes the picture of what there is to come. Now, interesting, in the, the, it, twice it refers to he hears the cry of the daughter of my people. Now, this phrasing is, in the original is simply a symbol of the love that Jeremiah had uh, for the people of Judah, how much he loves them. He had preached to them. He had admonished them. He had taught them. Um, he, he cared for them as though they were his daughter. And so he uses that phrase, the cry of the daughter of my people. He hears the cry of of those exiled people in a far-off land, which we later, of course, learn is Babylon. Now, in the second half of verse 19, we hear another voice. We hear the voice of the people. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Now, they're crying out in the midst of this, and they're asking a question about the Lord being in Zion. Uh, Zion is the eastern word hill there in Jerusalem uh, where the oldest part of the city of David uh, stands. It's the highest portion that's crowned by the temple. And they ask, is Jehovah still king in the temple? That, that's what they're saying. Now, let me give you a little side note on the original Hebrew text. Uh, the words that Judah cries out are a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. They reference the king as being the seed of David. Isaiah 53, 5 uses that exact same phrase, that exact same text in its prophecy of Christ. But that's another sermon all of its own. Of course, I'm so excited, I might need to preach it today too. Uh, 
But, but just a side note there, Zion is not, the, is not Yahweh still in Zion. And God answers it. Through Jeremiah, we hear God's voice in the third part of verse 19. Yahweh says, why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images with foreign idols? Now remember in chapter 7, he laid out what it was going to take. Here are the conditions to spare Judah of this fate. But they chose a different path. Verse 20, again we hear the people. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Now the harvest and the summer uh, are two very separate, different seasons here. The harvest that they're talking about is where they would gather the grain. Uh, and, and then the summer is when all the fruit uh, and, and of those type of, of uh, farming uh, was, was gathered together. So, so it was practically a year is what they've discussed. They've said a year. And so, so after one season after another of hope, one after another, this is past, and they were still looking for that long-needed uh, deliverance, but it hadn't come. Their hope was gone. That is the prophecy that Jeremiah is painting for us. And then as we come to verse 21 and 22, we hear Jeremiah's voice again in agony. Please understand that the brokenness of Judah is not a condition in which Jeremiah had that spectator's view. He wasn't sitting up on the sidelines looking down and watching what was happening. No, that suffering, that sickness is what he was completely immersed in. The mourning, the hurt, because he loved them as though they were his daughter. Verse 21 again. For the hurt of the daughter of my people I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. I am hurt. Some text may say uh, my heart is wounded. Uh, the same Hebrew word used again in Isaiah 61. It literally means to be heartbroken. The mourning and the dismay is described as though that is, he looked, he appeared as though he was dying. If we saw him, he would look as though he was dying. And then he says, I, I really have no idea of where to turn. And this brings us to, to what we want to focus on today, and found in verse 22. Amid the midst of their sin and their failure to listen to what God's servant had been preaching to them, had been teaching to them, had been pleading with them. They chose to follow the false teachings. They chose to do the idol worship. And so Jeremiah asked three very, very penetrating questions. We're going to answer those questions. We're going to answer them for, for them and for us. He asked a question. Is there no balm in Gilead? Now, obviously, the physical answer to that is yes. There is a balm in Gilead. Gilead was a region that was east of the Jordan River, which is now modern-day Jordan. And it was a mountainous, fertile land. And, and uh, it was given in Joshua chapter uh, 13 to, to Reuben, Gad, and part of Manasseh. Uh, they, were, they inherited uh, that land. And in this area, it was very known for spices and ointments, but it was celebrated for balsam trees. Now, some commentaries use a different type of tree. And 
I, I think between the arguing of them, which I thoroughly enjoyed reading about, uh, the, the most common reference is balsam tree. And, and the, which kind of tree, it's not there anymore. Uh, it's probably not what's important. But, but in the, uh, the Hebrew text, uh, the word balm, which again, they're deriving from balsam, uh, it, it means to literally have to crack open. So you've got a tree that you've literally got to crack open to, to put pressure on it to push out what's inside of it. Uh, the resin or the sap uh, was, was forced out. Or you could pierce the tree. You, the tree standing there and you could, you could pierce it with something that dug deep into it. And when you pulled that out, the resin or the balm uh, would flow and this balm had great healing capabilities. Uh, another way is you could actually skin it. You could take the tree and you could skin all the bark off. And, and as you skinned, if you skinned deep enough, again, that whole area, uh, that resin would flow out. And so Jeremiah, he, he knows this. And so he, he realizes that there's that physical balm available in Gilead. So, so really what he's asking is, God, is there any way that you can heal us? God, is there any way... For Judah to be healed. Now, he asked this because he knew it was not a physical healing that they needed. That they didn't need a physical healing. They needed a spiritual healing. And yet, even knowing this, the answer for them was yes. They just failed to take advantage of it. Who was their bomb? It was Yahweh. He's been there. He's walked with them the entire way. And he's constantly sent people, prophets, judges even. Uh, he sent all of these to show them exactly what it was he desired from them. And remember, Jeremiah preached and preached. But instead of listening to Jeremiah, what they did was mock him. They ostracized him. They put him in prison. They beat him. They, put him, they, they made him isolated. They, oh, no, we don't want anything to do with him. He got to be out here on the hillside by himself. They ignored him. But his ministry, who seemingly bore little to no fruit on the surface, is exactly what God had him there for. And I believe it's for us to see today. Their remedies were laid out through Jeremiah. He constantly reminded them of the balm being Yahweh. Well, for us today, we need spiritual healing. We need healing from the sickness of sin. We need healing from the death, the wages of Sin is death. We need healing from that death, from our spiritual fallacies. And there is only one way that we can be healed, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the balm. Now, how can we heal a multitude of sins with a balm? Okay, now, let, me, let me paint this picture for you, okay? In, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 29 the Bible says that the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the balm. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all our sins. We're born into sin. And there is but one way to cleanse us. We need that resin, if you will, that healing balm, which is 
Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, it quotes Isaiah 53, 4, and it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Is the King James, sicknesses. What, what did they use that balm for? They used that balm for healing. What do we need Jesus the balm for? To heal our sickness, the sickness of sin. Now, if you go ahead and look a little bit further in Isaiah 53 verse 5, it continues on and says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, pierced. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds... We are healed again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, referring back. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Now, the word pierced and wounds in the Greek is the same, okay? means the same. Do you know what it means? It means to pierce, to perforate, to pierce, to puncture. Think back to, what? Well, how did you get the resin out of the balsam tree? It literally, you literally had to put the pressure on it and squeeze it out. You had to pierce it. You had to puncture it so that the resin would be poured out. Can I tell you, Christ Jesus is the balm. And the shed blood had to be pierced from him and flowed down the cross so that you and I can have a healing from the sickness of sin and death. Don't you love the way God works? In Jeremiah chapter 8, they talk just a little bit about a city called Gilead and what it's known for as a tree that has a healing resin that you use and mix up. And it, it's, this balm was used in so many different things. <laughs> That's exactly what he knew was going to happen to his one and only son. He was going to be hung on a tree. You know, he, he got the bark peeled off him. They took that cat of nine tails and they whipped him. His skin was peeled off. Blood flowed. He was hanging on the cross. And this is what John 19, 34 says. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water flowed. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is the resin that you and I need today for spiritual healing. Jesus is the balm. He asked a second question. Okay, he asked a second question. He says, is there no physician? Again, he's being literal and yet not because he realizes that there are physicians there. Uh, th th that question ties directly back to Gilead and, and because of the abundance of the balms and the, the multiple medicines that they were using for surgeries and, and, and healings at the times, the physicians and surgeons, they resorted uh, to, to the Gilead area. If, now, Dr. Cox is not this old, but if he were, that's the area he'd have been camped out in. He'd have been around Gilead because that's where all the medicines were available, okay? But I promise he's not that old. But that, that's exactly what he was asking. He was saying, is there no physician? Because he knew, he knew that the spiritual healing that he had mentioned before, of course, the answer was yes, there are physicians there. And he knew that there was a physician available this entire time to the nation of Judah. His name was Yahweh. 
God Almighty. The entire time he was available. But they forsook the commands. They put themselves in a position of hopelessness. Please hear what I said. They put themselves in a position of hopelessness. Yahweh, through Jeremiah, had specifically told them the prescription, if you will, of how to be healed, to be saved from that impending horror of exile. Well, you know what? For you and I, we have a physician as well. It's the comforter, the Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity is our physician. The Holy Spirit of God. God in the form of the Spirit. And its work is clear in our lives. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. This is Jesus speaking. And therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit that has come upon us when we are covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the balm of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within us. We are empowered by Him. Jehovah God in the third person is living inside of our hearts and speaking to us today. We have the physician. They had the physician. They had the physician available to them who had constantly walked with them. They just chose, eh, Eh, let's look at these other gods. Let's look at these other idols. Jeremiah was given to the nation of Judah to speak the words. John 14, 26, I love this one. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and teach us and Bring to remembrance all things that Christ has taught us. Okay, for you and I, Christ is teaching us. And you say, well, I can't remember all those things. The Holy Spirit's right there. Right there. And He will bring it to us. He will bring it to our minds. Oh my goodness, sometimes we might actually have to... Did I do that? I'm getting excited! At first I thought I slung it out of my Bible. The Holy Spirit in us, we might actually have to open this to hear His voice. Uh-oh. Not sit it on the shelf. Well, it's just Monday. I don't need it today. I'll get it next Sunday. I'll know right where it is. Do you know why you know right where it is? Because you're carrying it around with you. Because you're hanging on to it. Because we desperately need to look at it each and every day. Because the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the third person of the Trinity is within us. And He is our physician. Jeremiah spoke the words of God. You and I, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, the physician speaking to us. One other reference of the Holy Spirit that I, I feel like applies, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? And even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. The balm has covered you. You've got the position. His name is the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm going to be quick on point three. Not really. I realize we're going to dip into Sunday school for just a minute, but that's okay. It'll still be there. He asked a third question. Knowing the answer to the first two questions was yes. Jeremiah then says, why? Why have they not been restored? Now, remember, this is the person that's immersed in the midst of Judah. And who has preached and preached and preached and taught and taught and taught. And he says, is there no balm in Gilead? God, please heal us. Is there no physician? Why have they not been restored? He knew exactly why. Jeremiah knew exactly why. The simple answer. It's their own fault. I've had that discussion with Forrest on occasion. Because you know, he's our only child and he's never done anything wrong. Right? I love you buddy. I'm... I'm He'll say, well, you know, I, I have to get on to him. And I, it, it's your fault, you know. It's your own fault. When Melissa gets on to me, it's my fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's my fault. When I get on to Melissa, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's their own fault. Why have they not been restored? Here's the mirror. The remedy it's not that the remedy wasn't available. It was that the remedy was never applied. They refused to make use of all that God promised. Again, boy, is that a cycle or what for Israel? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They didn't follow the prescription. Chapter 7 gave it to us. They didn't follow the prescriptions of the physicians, so captivity and exile were their fate. The Babylonian captivity represented the consequences of their sin. We talked about it. The consequences of our sin is death. Even after they returned from those 70 years of captivity, they still had festering wounds. As you continue to study God's Word, you'll see those continuing festering wounds, and they desperately needed the balm that was available for them. Well, well, brothers and sisters, church family, today uh, restoration has come. Restoration has come in the form of Jesus Christ. We live on the other side. We know the cross. Jesus is the balm. Holy Spirit, the comforter, comes and indwells in us as our physician. 
And for us, Luke 19.10 simply states, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Restoration has come. John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 1 John 4.14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Redemption has come. Now, looking at Judah, God didn't want to send them into captivity. He didn't even want the whole of Israel, for that matter, to go into captivity. They had the bomb. They had Yahweh's message. It was clearly preached to them. It was preached to them through Jeremiah, through Isaiah, through Habakkuk, through Micah, all the way back to Moses. God was showing the prophecy of what could happen were they not to turn back from him. Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 28, 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth. As swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language that you will not understand. Oh my goodness. How many times were they warned? But it was their own fault. Why? Don't let that question be asked. Why have we not been restored? you're a Christian here today all of this points to one other question what are you doing with him now today if you're lost you need the balm Jesus is readily available and the Holy Spirit will knock on your heart it will beat on your heart and I pray that you will respond to that that you you just run down the aisle. Say, I need the balm. I need the healing. I want the Spirit to dwell in me. And you'll be restored. And you'll be the question for every other person that's here today that's got a personal relationship with Jesus. What are you doing with him? Jesus is the balm. What are you doing with it? Jeremiah wept. So he saw... That Israel would lose another entire generation. Seventy years of captivity. Only a few even came back that had left. They refused to keep their eyes on the Lord. But he preached. He preached. He preached. He taught he loved on them like he was his daughter. He was faithful to what God had called him to do for such a time. For the church today, discipleship is exactly what that is. It is grasping hold of. It is embracing the truth of God's Word. It is indwelling in you, the Holy Spirit, letting it just burst out. Oh, my goodness. We want to be so immersed ourselves to be to the point when somebody bumps into us, Jesus just spills out all over the place. Is that us? Is that us? Is that me? I love so much 
learning about Jeremiah. Oh, my goodness. Listen, last night I was on my knees. I was weeping. We don't weep enough when we cry. I don't weep enough when I'm praying. We don't weep enough when we cry. Boy, that sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> Jesus is the bomb. What are you doing with him? Jeremiah was faithful. My prayer for you today, church, is that we'll be faithful. And I believe we do that by knowing the shed blood of Jesus covers our sins. By knowing that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Comforter has come. And that restoration has been provided. And that excites us so much that we're going to dig deep. We're going to immerse ourselves in his word to the point where somebody bumps into us, they can't help but get some Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, what a blessing to stand before your people, God, and just teach your scriptures. Lord, I, I'm just so humbled, Lord, at the opportunity. Lord, I'm so unworthy, but yet you called a poor old country boy like me, Lord, and I'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. Lord, I pray today if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, God, that today will be the day they receive the greatest gift ever given, Lord, the resin that flowed from Calvary. And Lord, that they'll know they'll never get over it. God, for church members here today, Lord, that we'll leave challenged to be greater disciples for Jesus Christ. Lord, that we'll, we'll preach and we'll teach and we'll share and we'll love on them like they're our daughter, our son. We'll love on the people of this world that so desperately need to know the saving grace of the balm, Jesus Christ. Have your way in this time today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.